Hi. I never occurred. Does it say? Oh, yours didn't work. Mine's live. Yours live? Okay. Hi, is anybody there? We, me and Adam, Adam and I just hit live at the same time. So interesting, I know. So we're actually in the same place right now. But we couldn't. Like well, we it doesn't look like it at all. But we couldn't figure out. Wait. Hi. We couldn't figure out how to do it on the same one. So this is look. Someone just left. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. So we want to talk about um, identity of possibilities. Identity versus. I'm looking at you this way now. I know. Identity that's... of limitations. And what do we mean by that? What is an identity of limitation? What do you mean by that, Lindsay? Well, what I, <laughs> what I mean, Adam, is an identity of limitation is I can't this, I can't that, right? Right. Placing limit. I keep looking at you. So what we're getting at is is your identity one that is coming from a place of limitation or is it coming from a place of possibility have you shaped who you are to be somebody who goes out and makes things happen based off of what you want or are you a person whose identity is shaped by things that you cannot do see the difference now here is where it gets fun because as people who can't drink, how do we shape our identity so that we can still have an identity shaped in possibility, but yet not be limited? You guys talk louder though. See the question? Can't hear me? I can't hear you. You can't hear me? <clears throat> no, I Hold on. you talk louder. I have a command voice in here somewhere. I'll pull it out. There you go. All right. So identity of limitation, is your identity shaped by limiting beliefs? So meaning you are only allowed to do things within the confines of limitations mm -hmm. or is your identity shaped with possibility in mind? Meaning you can go out and do things and make things happen regardless of limitations is the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, so the, the, part there that we're, we're going to look at is as people who cannot drink, which is a limitation, depending on how you look at it, how do we develop an identity that has limits, mm -hmm. but allows us to have freedom? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So how do we go about that? How do we go about that? Well, we have to start by identifying limiting beliefs. Okay. And this is, we kind of talked about this the other day. We did talk about this. Not um, too much though. But I mean, you did, but I was. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've seen anything I wrote or paid attention in the past, uh, one of my limiting beliefs was that it's okay to do things as long as they don't get caught. I've talked about that in the past. Um, another limiting belief, just a really simple one is I can't have fun without alcohol. Yeah. Me um, too. Or I have to please everybody in order to be liked. Or. Of course, now that I'm trying to give you examples, I can't think of them. I know. I could just write <laughs> Every them time. in my head. Um, in order to feel love, I have to please everybody. Yeah. Um, I have to be agreeable with everybody and do what everybody else wants in order to be liked. Again, these are all things that make you feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. So 
well, I can't offend others. That's kind of like something that came up for me. Um, right. But I, I definitely can. And yeah, we were talking about that. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy doing it actually. And in, in my old life. Um, but yeah, so that was one, but, um, ha wanting everyone to like me. And that's, that's something I talked about last night too, um, on my tweet or my post, um, kind of like, what is my, my identity was not solid. It was my identity is like, whatever you want me to be or whatever I need to be, to be loved, liked, included, um, not really, not so much belonging because I never really got there with that, but, but feeling like I fit in, I guess that was the thing, right? Fitting in. Yeah. You've talked about that before mm -hmm. that need to fit in. And so that's how you went down the path of no return, but there was a return. <laughs> yeah. we made a big U-turn. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah. So that, no, that was huge for me. And I mean, realizing these, our limiting beliefs that we may have are not easy. It's not easy. Um, it wasn't for me anyways. It right. took some time. Right. The identifying them, it, it takes, it takes effort. It takes exploration. It takes pondering. It takes sitting down and taking the time to think about this stuff, getting with a journal and being mindful of your thoughts and then exploring those thoughts to find those beliefs. So we went, yeah. kind of away from identity for a little bit, but we, I think we should talk about limiting beliefs um, because the only way that you can change those limiting beliefs is to know them yeah. and then put something in place that you can use as kind of a reactionary trigger when you identify that belief coming up in your thoughts, in your feelings, in your actions, you can identify it and change it. So no, I don't have to please everybody. Right. I'm going to be nice, but I have boundaries around me. I don't have to please you in order for you to like me. If you don't like me because I'm not pleasing you, that's your problem, not my problem. Yeah. And I have to be okay with that. So there's a lot of stuff to unpack around that concept and that idea. And there's a lot to put into place if you are at the very far end of not having any of it, but it takes time and it takes intention and effort to build it up. Let's talk about it in the, in the context of early sobriety. Um, I mean, you kind of just were, but so my identity was kind of the story I was telling myself, you know, like mm -hmm. my old story before I entered recovery because my, my story and my identity obviously drastically changed. And that was what enabled me to get strong sobriety. Um, but my old story was, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I mean, so many things, um, right. I can't get sober. I can't stop using, um, I have this disease that, um, I, I don't have a choice anyways. I can't stop. Right. You no. Know? Right. And to me that, that, I guess we'll just go ahead and, uh, break yeah. the seal here. That disease model, that's where the error is in my opinion. Have if you if you believe in the disease model, and we're not here to debate right. the disease model, but the disease model puts a limiting factor on your psyche, almost to the point of a victim mentality. Um, because I am a victim of a disease, 
I therefore can no longer do things and I have to do certain other things in order to keep the disease from affecting my life. Mm -hmm. So that mindset, that identity, you are, you're coming from a place of a, a closed container. You'll never go past what the limitations of the disease put on your life. Mm. And so that's one thing if you, we, we like to use the analogy of a cancer patient. And so a lot of cancer patients, when they get cancer, they go, well, fuck my life's over. Yeah. And one of the things that they work on is going, you know what? I'm going to live life anyway. Screw it. I got cancer. So what? I do my treatments. It's going to suck, but I'm going to live life. Yeah. And so when you come from an identity of possibility, you go, you know what? I got to do my treatments. So I'm not going to drink. That's my treatment. I've developed my identity of a non-drinker. Therefore, I'm not constrained by all of the things that come along with being an alcoholic or even an alcoholic in recovery. Those right. limitations don't apply when I consider myself a non-drinker. I know that I can't drink because as soon as I put alcohol in my body, it's going to screw up my dopamine system and then it's off to the races. So that's the, the argument that is always presented back to me is like, well, if you're cured, so you can do whatever you want. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just stupid. Um, that's pretty stupid. That's pretty stupid. So I developed an identity of a person who does not drink. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, the door's wide open. Well, and I think I think because words are so powerful, and I think that I think that we forget that. And I think for me, I didn't really fully understand that until just recently which may sound silly, but <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize like what I was telling myself all the time until maybe a year or two ago when I started realizing that I'm telling myself in my head and even out loud to others that basically like I have something wrong with me. I'm an alcoholic. That's how I interpreted it, right? Yeah. Um, I have this thing, this disease, um, I'm not like you, I'm different, I'm diseased, I'm, I guess, broken, I'm yeah, malfunctioned exactly. or defective. And, um, you know, I think all that comes with that for a lot of us. I don't think, I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't think so either. I think everybody starts there at some point. Yeah. Um, I think the faster you get out of that mindset, the quicker you get into a much more fluid and easier sober life uh it doesn't necessarily mean that not drinking is easy but right. doing all the things that allow you to or keep you from not drinking and i hate using the word keep you from not drinking that allow you to be a non-drinker because just by saying keep me from not drinking that assumes that my default state is to be a drinker and this is where i think AA gets it wrong is our default state is not to be a drinker. If you have a problem with alcohol, your default state is not to be a drinker. It's just not, that's not how we're, how we're born. It's not how we're made. It's not how we're wired. We have a problem with our dopamine system and our default state without taking into account dopamine is to continue to use because that's how the brain works. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then the brain changes. And then the brain changes once you get sober and you get that system back under control, then you can operate from a place of I'm going to do all the things and not drink, yeah. not I'm going to do all the things that keep me from drinking, because that assumes that I am going out throughout my life every day 
fighting the urge to drink. Yeah. And, you know, we can take that, that identity portion right there and we can look at it from a psychological perspective and we can look at it from a, a spiritual perspective. But if that identity is, I have to do things to keep me from drinking, then I am telling myself, I am reinforcing in me, in my deepest beliefs that I have to drink. Yeah. And so I have to do things to keep me from drinking. So if we can go down and we can change that belief to, no, you don't have to drink. Right. You're a non-drinker. Right. Then you don't have to drink today. You, exactly. Exactly. You don't need to drink today. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. It's, um, what you just said, though, is really powerful. Um, I wish you could, like, <laughs> put it in reverse. Scream it. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> we just, done with the live stream. We'll reverse it and replay. <laughs> no. Like, seriously, like, in all capital letters, um, you said it's, like, when we were talking about it earlier, we were talking about it almost in, like, homeostasis. But, like, you know, when I would say I'm an alcoholic before, what it was so loaded that what I was really saying to myself and, and was reiterating to myself was um, like what I had just said before, but also that um, I would never be um, normal. normal. Yeah. Whatever normal is, yeah. I would never be that. I would never be just like other humans that don't do that. Yeah. But the more and more I learn about um addictions that are not just about the sub i mean it's not about the substance right so if it's really not about the substance then how could it be at the same time that um you know i I just call myself that and it's like there's so many things i i don't want to do and indulge in right? right right other addictions because i have a plethora of them when i allow them to happen yeah. right Sugar. so it's just so many things like i could use anything to be to just i use it for a purpose my purpose isn't because i want to eat sugar because i like sugar it's what it does to me what does it do for me like what's the payoff what's yeah. this or that like you know it's just like any other addiction so i know i'm getting away from what we're talking about but i don't know that was just like something you know and other people say differently and that's cool but i did think that for a long time for yeah. years yeah that well i have to remember that i am an alcoholic and which when i call myself an alcoholic it reminds me that i can't have just one drink and blah blah, blah and whatever that means for right. you and and really that meaning all comes from if you're in the 12-step program because that's where it originated right and right there you just said it what? If I call myself an alcoholic, it reminds me that I can't have just one drink. Yeah. So your identity is still on somebody that drinks. I can't have yes, just one drink. Exactly. Okay. Well, you wouldn't have those thoughts of I can only have I can't have just one drink if your identity was coming from a place of I'm not a drinker. Right, right, right. And that's the difference. Yeah. And then it's almost like, well, what do I want to add on to my life? not what do I need to just run around prevent trying to prevent or put out right. forest fires. Right. So I was wanting to get into this topic, not necessarily tonight, but um, either in the future or to write about it mm -hmm. is whenever we go to make changes, we always think about 
the things that we have to take away in order to make our lives better. So if yeah. you think, think about it like a, a, an equation, a math problem. Um, if we just say zero is really bad and a hundred is really good, <laughs> right? And so I want to be is, well, that doesn't even work either. Um, think about like a scale. This is better. Okay? Like zero, so, like X equals X or whatever. Well, think about we got a scale. All right. So right now I've got a whole bunch of bad things, not a lot of good things. And so we always want to get better and have more good things. So we always try to take away bad things in order to make the good things way more. Mm -hmm. Another way you can do that, if taking away the bad things is really hard to do, is to start adding good things. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it, it's hard to wrap your head around that when it comes to addiction and drinking and drugs and stuff like that. But think about it from a just overall health standpoint. Hey, you need to lose weight. We're going to cut out carbs and, you know, take away your free time. So then you have to go run. Well, one easy way to really just start getting healthy is just start eating more greens. Yeah. Just eat more green vegetables. You're going to see an immediate change in all health markers in the span of 30 days. And then that might give you a little bit of momentum. You go, you know what? I think I am going to cut out that drink you know i'm not going to go to starbucks but every other day yeah so that's one way to get into that um but i think what that does is that that segues us nicely into what you want to talk about earlier with the thermostat analogy yes i want you to tell that and getting the thermostat analogy and so we're talking about how do we change those beliefs so if you are we'll use tony robbins example since we're yeah. just listening to it so if we have the thermostat, your internal thermostat set at 68 degrees, which is our favorite number around here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you are a kind of person who's like, you know what? I'm going to crank up the heat on my life, on my sobriety, on everything. I want to be operating at 98 degrees. And you start cranking that thermostat up and you start doing all the things that get you on fire and get you moving in that better direction and get you up there, you're pushing 80 degrees, 85, 90, 95 degrees, and we're starting to get close to 98. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, the thermostat inside your body, you're basically, your, your psychological set point is going to go, hey, you're not a 98 degree person. You're a 68 degree person. It's what gonna, are you doing? It's going to kick the air conditioner on. And it's going to start trying to pull your temperature back down, back down to where your comfort is, your comfort zone. Because mm -hmm. 68 is you. And this is one of the best analogies for me, my own journey of just weight loss. Most of it, mine was from drinking, but when I stopped drinking and then started working on my weight, I love to eat sweets and I didn't eat sweets when I was drinking. <laughs> I wonder why. Interesting. But I can find myself like I'll be down around my goal weight, almost to my goal weight. And then all of a sudden I'll sabotage it. Yeah. Like, Damn it. Mother fucking air conditioner cut on again. Um, and so it's, you know, and that that's not necessarily a psychological set point. That's literally the body set point. The body, as mm. far as everything goes, wants you there. Um, but pushing that comfort zone, pushing that thermometer up to that thermostat up to, to 98 degrees is how you get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And then being mindful of all the new things that are in that comfort zone, taking those into account literally internalizing them. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. I know I'm out of my comfort zone, but let's look at that. Let me write it down. Let me think about that. Why do I feel uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. 
you start internalizing that. And then eventually your body goes, you know what? All right, 68. Yeah. You know, I'll bump you up to 78. I'll give you 78. I'll kind of meet you halfway. And so now 98 doesn't feel as bad. And eventually it's like, yeah, you know what? 88, we'll go to 88. Eventually, eventually over time, 98 is a new set point. And so you go, you know what? I'm going to go run a marathon this year. So now we're going to make the set point 108. Your body's not going to like it. Your psychology's not going to like it. But eventually you'll get there. And so the same thing happens with our drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously we go from whatever quantity you're drinking to zero. Talk about a huge change on the thermostat. Psychologically, mentally, just from thought processes, behaviorally, actually physically. So. Well, and that's that's the thing too it reminds me of when i got sober all these things uh, you know being in treatment and i'm on fire for recovery and you know i'm in the 12-step meetings every day um multiple times a day and i'm like really getting it and it's like i found this this new identity and it's working for me and you know the feelings that that's the magic of recovery recovery magic that i talk about all the time mm-hmm. um and you know it's like that spiritual feeling um that that we get most of us right um and it's it's like all of a sudden when you realize you're kind of far away from what you were doing the drinking every day this is what happened for me anyways um it's like a panic set in and i'm like you know like realizing like oh hey it's been this long you know i'm i'm different now but like that familiarity of the drink like it starts popping in your yeah. head and then it's like that's where that's where i was for so long yeah you know and that's- this is so foreign and this is uncomfortable yeah um but i've learned you know being sober for years now that that becomes my 68 degrees eventually right right like right. up here and that's my new norm yeah my new homeostasis so what i wrote down earlier was getting outside your comfort zone when you push that thermostat up to 98 degrees and it's not your norm yet mm-hmm. and then you're not doing all the things that you're supposed to do to take care of your life from a recovery standpoint if you let go of these your body is going to allow you to relapse your brain's going to allow you to relapse and so that's why it's so important to be doing all the things that whatever your program whatever you're working is to, to keep you on the path, keep you on track. Right. As soon as you let those go, then we're going to drop right back to where we started. But if you stick there long enough, eventually you get to the point, your identity will shift into a 98 degrees. And so all the things that you were doing, you were having to work at mm-hmm. are now just either a natural or be not needed. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy to think about it. And so I, there, I, I think there are multiple ways to get to that. AA is obviously, getting you to that point ideally with the steps and meetings and stuff like that my personal opinion though is that aa is coming from one of these it's coming from an identity of limitation because you're relying on something external to keep you sober whereas i wanted to go with internal and so i changed my identity to a non-drinker yeah i mean i i i don't like to i mean it's just the semantics are not just semantics it's very right. powerful words have meaning that's how we communicate with ourselves yes. if, if, 
And it's something I've been really looking into lately because people that disagree with your point of view will say, oh, well, it's just, you know, I just said this word. It's like, right. okay, so let's clarify what you mean because how we communicate not only with each other, but how we communicate with ourselves, we communicate with words. Yeah. You can't have self-talk and not talk. And when you think about anything, think about any feeling you have in the world. Mm-hmm. How are you describing it? <laughs> not with sign language. <laughs> no, I mean- you know, you have to use words. And so these words have meaning. And changing the meaning of words doesn't get us anywhere because it doesn't work with society. So you have to use the right words. Yeah, I mean, well, and your, my brain, your brain, our brain, um, it's, it hears things in generalities, right? Like, um, how do I explain that? So like, it's like a primitive, like when it, I don't know how to explain that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, so like if I'm telling my brain the same thing, or I'm saying in my head or out loud the same things over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over. And over. Um, my brain doesn't. They just hear certain words, and sure. I know the meanings of those words. Yeah. And so my brain hears everything. It collects yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether that's shorthand, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Shorthand, like okay. Um, you know, alcoholic, alcoholic, alcoholic. Well, I may be people, what I used to do is I'd say, well, I'm an alcoholic, but I say this because blah, 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 blah. Right. I, I want to forget. I want you to understand that I'm coming from a viewpoint of an alcoholic. Right. And your brain doesn't hear that. No, your brain doesn't hears. know the details. Yeah. It just hears yeah, alcoholic. Hears. Well, what well, is that? And mean? then, then it also, you, you said, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I am label <laughs> yeah and i don't <laughs> which I is mean, reinforcing that identity is that is that all i am exactly i mean because i'm saying i mean I am you, you can also say i am a mother i am loving i am right but, you know all these other things and those all are part of your identity but a major part of your identity especially if you have an addiction is your addiction right and once you get over your addiction continuing to identify with your addiction is just so unhealthy. This is so taboo to say, and that's what's really sketchy to me. <laughs> right. Um, because I would I would be mad at someone saying this in the past. And, and yeah, I, yeah. that's outrageous to me now. Yeah. You know? And so it's the longer that I look into things about addiction, the longer I've experienced addiction and recovery, the more that I realized that it wasn't black and white because things are not right. black and white ever. No. Um, Shades of gray. Right. And my brain wants to attach onto a story, a clear cut directive, a clear cut black and white story of like, I'm an alcoholic. So that means this. It's like one of those graphs, right? Like yep. a flow chart. Like that's yep. what I want. Nice and neat. And it's not, and it's not, we can't pretend that it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess we can, and, and we are, yeah. right? Um, we, without me, I, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to yeah. really just look at experiences and facts um, and anecdotes in front of me. Like, what yeah. is what is this telling me? I'm not going to be in cognitive yeah. dissonance forever, well, and, and you know? So let's look at why 
the identity of an alcoholic, even one who is sober, continuing to identify as an alcoholic is so harmful. Because words have meaning and because that's how we communicate with others and with ourselves, even though we don't think about it, think about how we always talk about you know erasing the stigma of the addict until you can brainwash and go in and remove it from the society's the you know yeah. psyche about what an addict and what an alcoholic is the stigma is always going to be there i don't care how much work is done on erasing the stigma until you can have a reset on the definition of that word and apply it just unilaterally to the world it's never going to work and so that stigma yeah. is there so then all those negative things that go along with being an alcoholic are there and no matter how much you try to forget that those two are linked your brain still links them okay. now maybe after decades and decades and decades of some type of therapy where you can disassociate the word from the meaning you might be able to convince yourself that hey i can still be an alcoholic and that means i don't drink and i'm fun loving and all these things that we associate with recovery but the world is not going to associate that and you have to operate in the world right. <clears throat> and so that is that is where the identity of limitation is yeah because you are identifying with all of those limitations all those negative aspects all of the stigma even though you can have 35 40 50 60 years of sobriety hey, my name's Adam, I'm an alcoholic, is continually pounding it in your head. And this is why I call my recovery effortless recovery, is because I am not fighting my psychology. Yeah, I love that. So. Yeah, so explain that, what that means to you. It's like you're not you're not fighting it, you're not resisting. Right, right. I, I don't drink because I know what happens when I drink. Right. So I'm using all of these tools, all of these psychological tools. We know how the brain works. Science may one day do what we're not able to do at this point in time. Science has gotten there. And so we can use all of these tools to reprogram ourselves to an identity of, I don't drink and I'm going to go create whatever I want. Well, yeah, it's like, that's not all that I am. And, and I know, I know what the devil's advocate, you know, would right. be to what I'm saying because I was that voice before right. to others. So, but I've, I've come full circle. Um, and so I, I told you guys a story of, I guess it's not really a story, but just like a little um, uh, explanation of why I decided that I didn't want to do this anymore, you know, identify as that because it was limiting me. Right. Um, because I was dating someone that I considered a normie, which is silly anyways, because, hold on, I just want to take a, I just want to take a, a break and explain this. If everything is the, uh, the premise that um, there's alcoholics and non-alcoholics, and that it's it's how it's explained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, so so everything is like coming off of that, right? Like branching off. So that's where my beliefs were. But what if this, the premise, isn't even true? What if it's not true? We can't, I can't say that, I can't definitively say, how ignorant is that of me to definitively, definitively say 
this is word. This is this is true. Every single freaking word in that is fact. I can't say that. I used to say that, and that is like pretty uh, ignorant. I so guess. With, without tying the two together, so take this with a grain of salt. But what does that remind you of when you take a group of people mm-hmm. and you split them? based off of one characteristic. So we do it with alcohol, skin color. Yeah. Yeah. Gender, religion. Religion. Yep. Alcoholics and normies. Yeah. It is, it's derogatory. And I realized like, I thought I was being funny saying it. And now I say it in, in the way of like, because this is how my mind was before right and this didn't happen like super long ago like this is just this is like a working theory working belief that that is transforming for me that yeah i'm not gonna limit myself um what if what if whatever i thought like what a crazy idea like what if whatever i believed isn't the only thing that there is yeah yeah (laughs) right like holy fucking shit I don't know everything. Yeah. We're looking at it from just one perspective. And this one perspective has been rammed down. Ah. Oh, the heathen is here. Runs out. I are here. Good shit. What's happening? What I miss? Oh, so f- finish the, that what you were, we're, we're. Oh, what? So we were talking about credit separated. What were we going? So, oh, so, okay. So what I was saying was. I came, this came about my change and what I decide to identify as, right? Right. That sounds silly. Um, but identify as an alcoholic or not. That's what I'm talking about. Um, because I was dating a normie, which is whatever the fuck normie is. He was not right. It's not normal. <laughs> um, but in my head, I'm like, he's not an alcoholic. Therefore he's He's better than me. And like, I know that can sound kind of extreme, but it's not. Think about it. Like me with years of sobriety, that's what was in my head. Like that was a hidden belief though. I didn't realize, I'm not like actively saying that in my brain, right? But I realized that's what was underneath because um, I'm seeing myself in a different category as this person. Yeah. Him, he's higher than me because he didn't have a drug and alcohol problem. And I'm in this box. I'm, I'm never going to go past them. this. Yeah, I'm never, because I have limitations. Right. I have these limitations on me that I'm yeah. not an, or that I'm an alcoholic, meaning I can't drink because, um, and then cue big book theory here, right? Um, <laughs> 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 Hello, Ray. Hello, officer. Um, I have all my pa- which papers, Scott? <laughs> all of them. I have all, all of them. All of them. Doesn't it. matter. I have them all. <laughs> but yeah, Scott, we're just like really talking about like words have specific meanings and they're powerful, and and that's a good thing though. But I have to really watch like what is coming out of my mouth to others, yeah. to myself. What's what am I saying in my head? Yeah. Self talk, and noticing that because it's so powerful. Um, we know it's powerful, right? Like, it's not like a question. It, it is. 
they are. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at history. Like yeah. wars started over like what we were we were talking about. Um, when you start to when you start to do the us versus them too. Right. And, and I know people will say, well, it's not like that. It's just that I know that I'm this, so therefore I can't drink. And it's like, well, yeah, if you believe in this model here, you can't. It's and again, I just just want to point this out because this goes back to the identity is the phrase I can't drink is different from the phrase I don't drink. Right. I don't want to drink. Can't is coming from an identity of it's something that I would like to do, but I'm not allowed to do. And I don't drink is coming from the identity of I choose not to. It's my option. And I will fight to the death, like to the death of me, that you were born wanting to drink. Yeah. It is not the default state. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that as soon as you put it in, you go, holy shit, this is amazing. That's completely different. But it is not your default state to always drink, to always be a drinker. It is just, it's not. Right. Just like hate is not my default state. Now, I could sit here and listen to a whole bunch of hate-filled rhetoric and speech and get brainwashed, yeah. and it becomes my identity, but it is not my default state. Damn, true. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, you said Star Wars. I mean, you get a letter, it's your perception of things, right? You could read it, it might not mean what you think it is, and then your perception of it is, oh, shit, this person wants to fight. Maybe that wasn't the case, but it's the same as using the words, I guess. I'm jump, jumping in here, so I hope I'm... Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're dead on. <clears throat> like, you know, if I call myself an alcoholic and I'm my perception of alcoholic is I'm, I, I'm bad, then then you're being bad to yourself, and that's, that's not yeah. a good thing, you know? It's just like, yeah, it, that's why it's like I was an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic because I don't drink every day anymore. Yeah. Right. And so to, to tie in, so we started off talking about limiting beliefs. And the way that these two work together is your beliefs influence your identity, right? Well, the way that we influence our beliefs is through repetition, basically. In order, and I'm talking about subconscious yeah. beliefs, things that are kind of like the background operating systems. There's, there's two ways to do it. And so it's either through repetition mm-hmm. or through having your brain in a theta wave state. Okay. And theta wave is basically a child's brain state from zero to seven. So the Jesuits have had this, this saying for hundreds of years is give me a boy until age seven and I'll show you the man. It's because they're in the theta brainwave state, which is imagination, basically hypnosis. And you can program a child from zero to seven to, into anything that you want. Absolutely now, right. Different, different conversation. Take that information, pull it into this one. And it's, if I need to change something in myself, I have to get into a theta brainwave state, which is basically hypnosis, or if you learn how to do it through meditation, it's possible, or repetition. Repetition is the other way to do it. So if you're constantly repeating a negative identity to yourself, you're constantly reinforcing that belief, which is reinforcing that identity, which is reinforcing. It's just a repetitive cycle of constantly making yourself entrench into this identity that is bound and is an identity of limitation. 
I want to also add in here that <clears throat> is my sound okay, Scott? Am I? Can you hear me loud enough? Yeah, yeah. you sound great, man. Okay. Um, I want to add in there too that what it's so loaded, right? That so like when when I decided I needed to dedicate less time to going to multiple meetings a day um, on top of working and I had a baby and um, people were telling me like, you obviously don't wanna be sober if you don't want to leave your child with your mom or find someone to like do that or like bring them to meetings or like do this and basically neglect my child, essentially, like, I don't care what, what your justification is. That's what it is. I'm sorry. Um, before I had a child, I would, I would think that too, though, right? Like, I thought that way. Um, and so that's just one part of it. And just, I needed to do this, and I needed to be there and dedicate all this time, um, or else I was going to relapse. And it wasn't like, you might relapse. It was like, you're going yeah. to fucking relapse. <laughs> yeah. You cannot trust yourself. A denial is our main, is our default, right? Like we're, we're, it's part of our disease. So it's everything that like jointly makes it so you can't, I couldn't trust myself. And I know people don't like to hear this. Like, it's like so fucked up how it's like uncomfortable to even talk about this. And that's so, that's ingrained. Like that's, that's from, I mean, that's, that's like programs, right? Um, I don't know. So it just, it just kind of gets me going, but um, just how it's just so powerful and, and everything that goes with it. Right. So um, Scott, Say something. I'm getting mad. Something. Something. Um, no, I, I think you're you're dead you're dead on, Lindsay. Um, I think just playing catch up here. So <laughs> like you go to you go to you go to rehab for sixty days in a fake environment and you can learn how to survive alcohol free or drug free for sixty days in that environment. Then you come back to the real world, your learning starts all over again. And so you have to learn new behaviors, you know. Um you know, I, I lived it, you know, um, I wasn't prepared to come back to that. So like, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. I don't have any power. Um, I have no control. Uh, alcohol is my master, all these things. And, you know, once the, the thoughts start to, you know, I'm not saying things would have been different, but, you know, maybe with a different mindset, maybe I could have dumped out more alcohol than what I did in my past. But once I had it, it's like, well, you already fucked up anyway. You already bought it. So, you know, there was, once that decision was made, there was, there was no going back. But I, I like what um, both are saying about, like, learned behavior. Like, you learn for so long how to cope and, and be with alcohol. For me, it was 20 years. And to think that you're just going to change that in, you know, 90 days, you know, 90 and 90 or 90 days stay in a treatment. I think that it's just going to with the switch in 90 days is unrealistic. So you need the positive self-talk. You need to retrain your brain um, in any way you can. You know, like, I did bad. I am not bad. I mean, that's the biggest one, I think, that people, that could benefit people. You are not a bad person. Absolutely. You just did some bad things. And then again, then you got to look at what bad means. But yeah, flip your perspective on things. I would, look, 
you can go on YouTube and type in AA speaker or TED Talk, you know, alcoholic or addict or whatever, and you can find thousands of people that were just as bad as you were, and they found a way out. And every story is different. Um, so it's it's possible. So there's no reason not to give yourself a chance. Like I, I had a guy come to the office with his dad yesterday. <clears throat> and I'm doing the intake, and he's just sitting there, and he's got his head down, and his dad like he just keeps beating the hell out of himself. You know, he 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 did it for a few months, and he relapsed, and you know he he can't he can't get off his own ass. You know, like he's just beating the shit out of himself. And I was like, you know, I told him, I was like, dude, who made you walk in here today? Did your dad make you walk in? No, no, I wanted to. He just he just came with me. You have to understand how big of a step that is. You have to give yourself credit. For just walking in the damn place and asking for help again you know this wasn't his first time there i i never seen him before but i've only been there since him so yeah changing your perspective on things absolutely and so you you said something a minute ago about learning to live after treatment after 60 30 60 90 day treatment what do you think would happen if in treatment people were told to think about it as Hey, you don't drink anymore. When you get to the real world, all of your decisions are going to be made in the viewpoint of I don't drink instead of, hey, everything that you do has to be run through the filter of I can't drink. I'm not allowed to do this. Right. I wonder how many people that would save. how many people would be like, you know what? Cool. I'm good. I'm going to use everything that I was taught because I don't drink. And I'm going to make my life better. Yeah. Whereas, and Lindsay said it a few times, um, wanting things you're not allowed to have. You keep coming at it from a, I can't have that. Well, then you're obviously going to want that. And I've talked about it before. The way your brain works is it doesn't recognize negatives. Right. All it's going to say is, I can't have that means I have that. Yeah. It only focuses on the subject of your thoughts, not the actions of your thoughts. Yeah. And I read a book today that we both read now. And it talked about a cave-in. You know, you're you're in this cave and things are crumbling around you. You know, eventually you're going to freak out and that helpless feeling is going to kick in, and you're going to start banging. You're going to start doing crazy things because you feel helpless, right? right? So you're going to start banging on rocks with your fist. You're going to break your wrist. You're going to claw yourself up, right? And so you start making bad decisions because you feel helpless. So we need to have people feel empowered when they come out of there that they can do it and that it's not this impossible task, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, God, this is such a good thing. I, I might do a podcast after this and read yeah. this, this part of the story. Right? I do it with Adam too. It's, it's so, it's so, uh, it's so amazing. They talk TJ. about. TJ. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. You're good. <laughs> Send us a burger over here. <laughs> I'm what, go to the corner store. Anybody want anything? I was gonna say. I wonder what the Uber Eats distance would be from TJ to you. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, you're good. I, you I said empowered, I, though, and I want I want you to expand on that. Like, what now? You said empowered, and I think that's um, very important. Yeah, I think it's. I think, I think everything comes down. And I'm going to butcher it because I honestly thought you guys were going to be done. But some of the sentences that were said in here, you know, it's like um, the inability to speak. Um, what this person feel, uh, terrible feeling like being caught in a trap. Like overwhelming helplessness. That I, that those words relate to me. You know, that's how I feel when I feel trapped. 
I feel like, what can I do? And the, the easiest escape is to drink. That that makes the appearance that I eat out of said trap, you know? And even in the story, it talks about, you know, um, when I decide to drink, there's a freedom feeling to that. And that's a learned behavior that I've, I've learned for 20 years, right? And, like, so I'm feeling helpless. I don't know what to do about what's coming up in two days. I, I, I grab that bottle or I have that bottle in my truck or in my hand. That, that feeling of freedom is already there. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of silly because you're drinking something that's going to bring you back into a trap or and cause a, a problem. But it's all about the freedom and, and getting, getting out of that trap in your mind and getting out of that helpless feeling in your mind. And so you've got to find something that empowers you. For me, it's doing this and talking with you guys and being on social media. It's me being as open and honest as I can with the people that I care about. Um, that empowers me. Like by telling that I'm telling them that I'm weak and struggling and I want to go to the store and buy some alcohol. That's that's taking the power away from the thoughts, those thoughts that were you know, taking over. Oh yeah. So I want to tie in. You mentioned the cave example, which. I, I think works great with what we were talking about earlier, which um, earlier before you got here, we we're talking about how your comfort zone plus your life circumstances, when those two have the, the right combination, you've got almost a guaranteed relapse. Yeah. So if we take the cave example, and let's say that the comfort zone is, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a mine example because this is actually a, a, a true scenario. Um, miners are comfortable in the bottom of the cave, basically down at the bottom of the mine. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have scenarios and they're taught and they're trained what to do in case of a cave in, in case of a collapse and what to do to lower their oxygen consumption, lower their energy expenditure. And basically in order to survive until help gets there, until they're rescued. So they start doing that. And this is a, a real MSHA case. But anyway, there was a mine collapse in West Virginia. And a whole bunch of people down the bottom of the mine, I think there were 38 to start with, and they've got oxygen, they're not supposed to talk, and so they're they're getting outside their comfort zone, right? Because now there's a cave-in, they're supposed to be conserving oxygen, doing all these specific steps, which is not their norm. They're out of their comfort zone. Well, only one person survived, and it was the one person who managed to stay outside his comfort zone and manage his life circumstances, which was to follow his training, monitor his oxygen consumption, basically taking small sips of air and sit there, not talk, not do anything while the other guys tried to claw their way out of the cave. And so he was rescued. And so being outside the comfort zone, managing his life circumstances allowed him to escape that situation. If you're outside your comfort zone and you don't manage life situations, it's almost a guaranteed relapse because it's going to pull you right back down into your comfort zone of drinking yeah. or uh, trying to survive the bottom of the mind. But anyway. that was a good. Uh, that's a great example. The other good example that goes along with that was the, um, I can't remember the name of the study, but the, the dudes that went to Vietnam and how like 90% of them were do, was doing heroin right. in Vietnam. Because they were trapped and they felt their helplessness, you know. Yep. And then when they came back, only like a small percentage of them continued to use um, to use yeah. heroin because the other ones came back to um, a reality that wasn't helpless and it wasn't a, a 
felt like a trap. So, yeah, yeah I, I think was, yeah. And you can almost make the hypothesis of the assumption that that 10% or so that continue to use, had they been introduced to heroin on the streets yeah. in the U.S., would have become addicts. And the rest of the people would have just been recreational users. Right. Yeah, sure. Wow. Um, yeah, no, that study is wild. And that's an old study, too, but obviously. But um, it shows the importance of environment and, you know, our, our life situations, too. Like, what's around us? Like, that's not just people. It's, you know, everything. Well, what about Rat, Rat Park? That shows the same thing, right? Remember Rat Park? You know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've talked yeah. about it before. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's that's wild, too. It's like they had this life, like, like Rat Park, like a carnival, too. Like, they're living life. Like, they were happy, their environment that they were living in. And they didn't seek, what, the, was it cocaine water? I think so, yeah. They didn't seek it. Um, but it's just fascinating. So look it up if you guys um, at home are curious about it, the Vietnam which you guys probably even heard of it before. Yeah. Um, and, and the Rat Park, there's a TEDx, the guy does it. I, I, I'll post the link down the Yeah. So the opposite of helpless, when, I, when you type in opposite of helpless, it's independent. Mm -hmm. So when you are independent, and you know they even tell you this in AA, like you have to do this for yourself. So yeah. when you're not relying on your environment and other people to make you happy and you become independent and you have the strength from within, you're like, hey, I'm... I'm worth this, you know, I, I can do this, you know, yeah. that's what, that's, so that's when the helplessness goes away. And then the trap, you know, the opposite of trap to me is freedom. And so, you know, I, I know now after reading this, that's why I, I, it's cool that we're talking about this, man, after reading this chapter and the relate, the relatability that I had, this, this guy that wrote this book about this person, um, I can look back and there is extreme there's hordes of evidence that every time i feel helpless and trapped that's when that's when i went to the bottom yeah <clears throat> i would i was interesting i i like that the opposite of helplessness being independent i would at least for us i would say the opposite would be self-efficacy self-efficacious yeah. um because it's exactly what you just find. It's the, the power, I have the power to do this. Um, whereas helplessness is I don't have the power to change anything. You have self-efficacy, you have the power to change it. Um, and just thinking about it from an early recovery standpoint, because I'm independent. <laughs> I know where I would go with that if I only had 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, TJ. That means a lot. That's really what we're trying to do and trying to make this space safer. Uh, sounds corny, right? And I hate people say this, but making a safe space for everybody, right? Every every different walk, every different recovery, every different bottom, um, high bottom, low bottom. We're all in this together. All the same, all the same problem, right? Or seeking the same solution of just living life happy without drugs or alcohol. I don't want to be addicted to. I'm not. I'm here to make jokes and to offend you. 
apparently I am too. I'm migrating that way every single time. Yeah, I'm migrating. Why is every time? But no, there is no judgment because um, I think it's like we come to that point in our recovery to where yeah, yeah. we know that. Well, so let let's just talk about that for a second. We were talking earlier about um, oh um, what calling ourselves retarded and is that offensive? So if anybody out there is is offensive, I'm sorry. Um, What? That's totally what we were talking about. I know, but I was thinking you're going somewhere else with it (laughs) about the relapse thing. No, 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 no. (laughs) TJ says, good luck offending me. All right. We're on the same boat. I'll go next then. So so what I was going to say is what it is, is we're to the point. In, in our lives and our recovery and just about everything where we are comfortable with who we are and we're comfortable expressing that, yeah. you know, I am a weird, goofy nerd and I know it. I you love are it. pretty nerdy. I'm telling you, you're speaking to the choir right here. Um, it's like we was telling you earlier, you know, not many people teach their two-year-old uh, Newtonian physics, but when you is. got a two-year-old, they're going for every action, there's an opposite reaction. Somebody's a nerd. Sure. That's winning. <laughs> that is winning. It's not nerdy. But but what I'm saying is is you get to a point in your in I don't want to say you get to a point in your recovery. Your recovery gets to a point where you are comfortable with who you are. And that is recovery. <clears throat> and I think at that point you can say you are recovered because you have found and recovered what alcohol, what your drugs, what your addiction took from you. You have recovered it. And I have absolutely no problem saying that I'm recovered. I'm cured. You should tweet that right now because that was really good. Oh, shit. What did I say? Yeah. It's not about it's not about um, you know where you're at in your recovery. It's where your recovery is at or something. Along those yeah. Lines. So um, what did I say? It's not about being comfortable in your recovery. It's about your recovery getting to the point where you are comfortable with everything, and that is the definition of recovery. Okay. Right. Supreme comfort with yourself. Yeah. Okay. And that can apply to to whether you go the AA route or the non-AA route. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, and, and so I'm going to take that very smart comment and I'm going to dumb it down here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, no, not not to I'm not saying people don't understand what he's saying. I'm going to make a stupid comment to make his look even smarter. So, to go with it, whether it's AA or it's some other way, um, you know, to argue about who whose recovery is better is like. <laughs> Living, you know, in hillbilly country and arguing about who has sex with your sister more. Hey, wait, now, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, Ray's family's in West Virginia. So. Jesus. Well, my my great grandmother's from West Virginia. And she raised me. So West Virginia is where, like, I said hillbilly country. So you are the one that is directing the hillbilly comments toward West Virginia. Damn it, you're right. <laughs> I, I would never, never say such a thing. Oh. Beautiful country. <laughs> I, I was talking more like Canada. Oh shit! No, I, I got people from Canada too. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it is absolutely stupid to sit and argue about. Well, you're not recovered because you didn't do this. It's yeah. just dumb. It's the yeah. dumbest thing ever. I'm so happy every time I see somebody post that they got three fucking days. Or yeah. I'm 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 so excited for people that get on X for no reason. They have no reason to announce it to to the to the world on X that yep fucked up yesterday. But I'm uh, back at it today. And then you see day two. And then you see day three. And there's a guy, Daniel, that I followed that he's been on day one, two, and three about 27 times since he was on my podcast. 
but he keeps trying and and he, oh, yeah. he so he wants to and he'll eventually find it now you're going to have the people going to like well if he makes that long well you know what i'm not going to think that way i choose not to think that way because why would i want to what good does that do right absolutely mm, we were just talking about this before we went live um I got a text from a friend. Um, I don't want to say specifics, but after doing um, a type of outpatient program for a year um, and just graduating, recently they they said they relapsed and reached out, and I instantly was like, oh, you know, that like deflated feeling. I was like, oh man, because I care, you know, I, I really like this person. I care for them. Um, and, and I said, to Adam, I'm like, but you know what? My other friend said, what, what could we do? And I'm like, just love her. Just, just love the person. Like what else? Unconditional positive regard. Nope. What? Nope. You, don't have to, right? you tell them to get their ass to a meeting and make the fucking coffee and damn it. What, ask them what they didn't do and why they didn't nothing. do it and tell them they clearly weren't ready. That's how he responds. <laughs> I know which book you just finished. That sounds a little cray-cray <laughs> if you ask me, though. You know, it just doesn't sound like a solution. But so it's it's because you know what? Because it worked I, for me. It worked for me. They used to hit me in the head with a hammer when I walked in there. It worked for me every fucking time. Show up and make the coffee, boy. Worked their leg charm. Oh shit! Oh shit! You know what, though, that's a good way to keep someone from not coming back. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna state the obvious. Then they weren't ready. I would like to do an entire live with me being that guy, and just to see if I can annoy the shit out of everybody. Because no. I think I could do it. I think I could do it. Don't do it. You would annoy the shit out of me. We, we could call it role play, right? <laughs> That's a different streaming platform. You get him on. Um, Find the sober heathen on OnlyFans. Yeah. There you go. OnlyFans. There you go. Talk about pushing comfort zones. But no, I think like I think like there's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) Like I think I think recovery is changing. It's transforming into. It's no. It's it's like learn like people are learning that like yelling at people and shaming them doesn't really help it doesn't change them it's just like no you're just an asshole and like nobody do you think they are i think that some are yeah Yeah, i want to believe i am i've changed i know but i I think i think some are i think a lot of people are beginning to wake up to a lot of new ideas and whether they adopt them they'll at least entertain them now and at least consider them. <clears throat> a lot of people, not everyone. And there are a lot of people that won't entertain them, especially when it comes to a subject like this. Um, and the rigidness, and that's and that's scary I, for many reasons. <laughs> I said I'm on OnlyFans, Ray. <laughs> but I'll send you the link later. Someone wrote that on my YouTube too. Like, well, I'm not going to let you steal my. I'm not gonna let you steal my my fans one day. So back. <laughs> we actually talked about this. <laughs> so, so I don't think, I don't think it's as open because I think we're 
in this really good uh, recovery bubble on social media right now. We've kind of created this bubble that's given us and <clears throat> working at the outpatient, like doing the intakes. I see a lot of people that are forced to be there. And so all these, all these people are being forced to come through these programs and they're being told that, I mean, they're still being told it's the only way to do it. You yeah. have to go to five AA meetings a week. You have to go to therapy twice a week. Uh, we're taking your license. And if you fail, uh, we're going to put you in a cage. Right. So I, I think that when, when you have the powers that be are still thinking like cavemen, that's, they're still the ones that are in the majority. And I think that's why, but okay. I, I, I think you're right though. I think you're right. I think there is growth for sure. But I think the, the majority is still this, this go to a meeting. I think, yeah, you're right that we are in a, a recovery bubble that I don't want to say we've created, but that we've kind of, kind of found, you know, yeah. and my, I, I think my, my goal is to increase it and make it grow. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I said we, I meant like the hashtag recovery posse. Oh, well, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the we that it's. Yeah. No, no, not everybody is is like that in there, but I think the majority right. of people just want to pick you up and, and give you a pat on the back and say, had a girl, had a boy. That's why I like Beyond Sober. And a girl. Um, <laughs> hold on. Hold, put, let's put a little thumbtack in that. Which part? A little sticky note. Add a girl. Add a boy. Um, no, so the place I work at um, is is um, very, I guess, new age. I, I don't know what you would really call it. Very open-minded with stuff. And, and that actually really opened me up, I think, to a lot of ideas that I was on the fence about, right? Like... Um, the idea of like calling it re reoccurrence and not relapse, um, and, and more client centered care, which what is client centered care? We know what that is, but it's, um, you know, it's, uh, Carl Rogers, um, developed it and it's, it's, it's a lot of things, but to put it simply, it's, um, client centered, like it's, it's not aggressive. <laughs> it's like the client kind of um discovers their own path it's 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 old like it's yeah before that it was what gestalt therapy is like very um confrontational before right. he came in yeah. which is reminds you of something right like it, it's it's interesting so um that's how that's like what is pounded into our head and and i was already like that and so it just like really expanded my my understanding of like what really seems to work and i see more success with this program that i'm in working in now than the other five or six that i worked at before where it was you know you you better fucking do this you better do that um you right. don't matter if you want to tough love and that's the only way i'm going to save your life and just like it's just really like it's just getting old you know um and it doesn't work and and to being told, you know, there's people that have tried this and been in and out of treatment their their whole lives, basically, or institutions, in and out of jail, um, or, you know, even ju like juvenile back, you know, when they're young and been in institutions and programs their whole life. And it's like, what? when are we going to, like, give them the space to, like, 
you know, show them love and compassion. That's really what is going to foster their growth. That's what it's about. In my opinion is like, I accept you for you and I'll walk this path with you and help you in any way I can, you know, trudge the road of happy destiny. If that's what I believe it really is. Right. Um, but, but it's like, when do we, when do we agree on this is, this is the way, right. Of like loving people until they can love themselves, teaching them how to love themselves, teaching them how to be independent, um, autonomous self, um, with self-efficacy, like you were talking about earlier. You know, we talked earlier at the beginning of this about, um, about love. Were we live yet? I don't remember. No, I don't know. Uh, we're no, live was, now. We're doing a recording. So, so love is, if you're operating, when I say in love, I don't mean with who, I mean you're operating in the <clears throat> the energy of love. If you love mm-hmm. everybody and you have unconditional love, then love has no agenda, right? Unconditional love. So when you tell somebody that, you know, sorry, you must not have done something right. That's why you relapsed. Are you operating from a place of love? Because I don't think tough love exists. Not in the context of true unconditional love. Tough love has an agenda. Tough love may be telling someone the truth, but it's not necessarily love. And so I think we get a lot of our our want to help other people confused with criticism, negative or positive advice, and you should do this confused with love. Yeah. And I think if you say, Hey, something is obviously not working. Let's think about what has happened. Let's identify those and let's go ahead and acknowledge that we have messed up. You know, something has happened. Right. You went back, you've relapsed, you've done something. It doesn't, it, whatever. But if you're operating from that frequency of unconditional love, it's in, hey, let's figure out what actually went wrong and acknowledge it, give that space, embrace it so that you can learn from it. Right. Not, hey, you did this wrong. Go back and do it again. You fucking loser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, you might as well call it nice hate. Like, I'm going to give you some nice hate. You know, like, I think you have love. I I think Adam made a great point. I think you have love, and then you have boundaries. And so you can love somebody and say, no, I'm not giving you $20 today. You can call that tough love if you want, but that's that's just love with boundaries. Like That's a good point. It's assertiveness. I mean, you're right. Yeah, that's a I know tough love is never going to go anywhere. It's a term, but like we said earlier, tough, the, the words are important. Yeah. And so yeah. You, can, you can justify almost saying and doing anything. It's like saying, look, I'm not trying to be rude, but uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> so it, you can justify anything. Well, I said I wasn't trying to be rude. I, said to, I told I you, I told you how to control your feelings. Yeah, I told you I was going to tell you something that's going to trigger you, but why didn't you control your feelings? No offense. I went out and slept with 12 other dudes. That was tough love, okay? (laughs) That's just tough love. I love you, but I wanted to show you what would happen, you know, if you did this again. It's just tough love. So you use these words, and you can justify any fucking thing that you want to do. (laughs) That's so 
true. Oh, Sam, my goodness. that's so true. My goodness. Yeah, but like, so what? So love is what, like, like love is what it is, man. It's like the solution, right? Like, love fosters growth, right? Yeah. I think it can. It can. It can. It can. It can. Okay. Um, true, true love. And and I can be assertive and be, I can be nice and loving, um, but assertive. And I don't have to be a dickhead, you know. Um, I can say what I mean firmly, yeah. um, compassionately. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be. If, I, if right. Telling the truth doesn't need to be associated with. Being yeah. mean or offending someone, I think truth is truth. And it is. If 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 the truth is truth, if it's the truth and it's mean, then that's just what it is. It's your that's your interpretation of it. Then it's yeah. you, not me, right? Yep. 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 I agree. I agree. Lindsay, I'm going to throw under the bus a bit. Huh? <laughs> There's so <clears throat> many things. You have to be specific. <laughs> Um, no, but so, so what, what I want to reiterate again, there's more people in here now. There's like 11 people in here now. And we were talking about this when there was hardly no one in here, but we're talking about the power of words, how, um, you know, you can really like change your thoughts, change your identity for lasting growth. Right. And, um, you know, really watch what we're saying to ourselves. Words matter. They have meaning. They're loaded right powerful powerful what do i want to be i mean what is the story that i'm telling myself over and over and over and over again i can't do this i can't do that why because i'm not normal because i'm not this because right. i'm not that um you know really just like looking at it from this you know less than like a negative perspective of um a deficiency right kind of mindset yeah. um yeah. a lacking and, and instead, it's like, let's look this way. Let's look at above the line of um, what we're talking about, identity of possibility. Possibility. Um, I have to replace, right, in a positive, not just replace or it, replace is not the same as substitute with other uh, maladaptive, maladaptive behaviors, but um, to to instead put in place, replace these these behaviors with my drinking, my using with, okay, I wanna um, go to school. I wanna do this. I wanna be, um, I wanna be a leader. I want, you know, all these things that are positive, like that I'm gonna fit, that I'm gonna fill instead of I'm going to just not do this. It's like a negative, right? Right, <clears throat> right. We don't need to keep taking more things away from ourselves. We need to build ourselves up um, we need to empower each other. We need to support each other. Um, and I can still be compassionate and tell you the truth about yourself if you ask. You know, <laughs> I can. I can be loving and right. truthful because because telling someone the truth is being loving, right? Ultimately. So just saying. Going back to the very beginning with the the identity of a limitation versus identity possibility, what you're just talking about. And I just kind of put all this stuff together as you were speaking, which Scott oh, said a minute ago. Yeah, you triggered some stuff. Um, shook it loose. That's what happens. <laughs> um, so if, if you're coming from 
an identity of limitation and things are always kind of the same in the world and we talked about this quote earlier i think before we got on uh, going live from wayne dyer it says when i change the way i look at things the things i look at tend to change and i think that's a, a great way to look at this identity of limitation versus identity of possibility if it's an identity of limitation then i'm going to look at the world through a, a perspective through glasses that limit what I can do and take take the drinking off the table. All right, let's just talk about insert X, whatever you want to, not actual X, but um, take whatever you want to. Everything that you look at is going to be through the eyes of limitation. But if you go through the eyes of possibility, then everything you look at is going to have possibility to it. So when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at tend to change. And this goes all the way back around to, to perception. Um, if, you, if you don't like what you're seeing, change where you're viewing it from. Right? If I don't like what the world's showing me, I'm going to change how I see it. And so you have the ability to shape your reality based off of your identity, your beliefs, how you view things, your perception. And I think that's what it all goes back to. And I know it, it, it all is, it seems like constant repetition of the same theme, but uh, it, it really is constant repetition of the same theme. If, if we're going with changing beliefs equals changing identity, which allows you to be somebody who just doesn't do something as opposed to somebody who can't do something. Because identifying with, I can't do that, means deep down inside, you still believe that you should be able to do that. You're just not allowed to. Whereas if I don't do that, then deep down inside, I, I just don't do that. So it's not an option. Right. And so that's where I wish everybody could get to. That don't ask me to repeat it. <laughs> no, but that's perspective too. Um, yeah. And, it, and it, honestly, that is the power of perspective because that's how I did recovery. That's how I, I went at it. And I changed the way I view things and just that's what I did. And so I wish I could tell you how exactly to do that. And I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm attempting to do here. But anyway, identity. Changing your identity. What did, what were we talking about earlier? You can, you change your life by changing your identity. Yep. And how do you change your identity? Yep. Changing your thoughts, right? That's the way Justin say a goal is a limitation and it has an end and you're willing to hurt yourself for a goal. But if I can have open-ended options, I can keep going. That's yeah. A goal is a limitation. Yeah. A goal is finite. I think is what he's saying. It's like, okay. this is my oh. goal. So once I achieve that, I have achieved it. So if you don't reset the goal to something more, oh. um, I like that open-ended options. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Good stuff, Justin. Yeah. That is Another cool. perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Another perspective. What else? What do, anybody the watching um, in the chat, if you have anything that you want to share, um, any opinions, any, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Um, you know, we were talking about <clears throat> some, I, I, won't, I won't open it back up again, but just talking about labels, calling ourselves different things. I mean, we could open it back up if we wanted to, but um, and how is I have to do this for myself and think is calling myself 
this person, this thing, this label, drug addict, alcoholic, whatever, 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 is this really benefiting me um, more than it's harming me? And some people will say differently. That's fine. So if, I got a question. If what some imply that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, if that is who you are, when you go into a grocery store and somebody greets you, hi, who are you? Do you say, hi, I'm Scott, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> if that is who you are, why are you not introducing yourself as that all the time? It's because that's who you can be sometimes. It's not who you are. That's a good point. Damn, bro. True. Yeah. I'm just gonna that's leave it there. It's yeah. one of it's one of many identities, yeah. right? Yeah. If that's if you so choose that. So going back off of what I just said, maybe I didn't change my identity. Maybe I just deleted that option. Yeah. Mm. And why can't you? You know, I mean, you were a toddler for a while, and now you're not. You were a teenager for a while, and now you're not. And you know, we make up all these rules of what you are. I mean, I guess some people say they're still toddlers in their forties, but whatever. But that's, you know, you can be whatever you want. So I think if you decide, like I have, you know, I put a full year in of hard work and I hit that year and I got that coin and I got a little bit farther. I'm like, you know what? I'm not fucking counting anymore. Yep. I'm not doing this to myself anymore. I don't need to. And if you want to, that's fine. I, I Again, we've said this. I, I hope people understand it to listen to this. And I, I'm not speaking for you guys, but I think that we all agree that you do it how you do it and if you're doing it then you've done it absolutely sound like a yeah. like a president basically um but i lost my train oh oh yeah i, I dropped the alcoholic thing i'm not going to call myself that anymore when i when i talk to clients i don't say i'm an alcoholic i say um uh, yeah i i got myself four OWIs, so i know exactly what it's like to drink <laughs> so i've been through it yeah same so same. i guess just to reiterate if that is who you are, then that's who you should be all the time. And if that's not who you are most of the time, then that's not who you are. If that makes any sense. That is it makes really, a lot of sense. Really good point. Really good point. So right. you could distill your, your identity down to just two characteristics. I mean Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I mean Like Ray, Ray's a Marine. <laughs> they do say that. They do say once a marine, always a marine. Yeah. And you know, I can I can uh, and thank you for being a, a Marine Ray. Yeah, I could totally, you for your I'm not going to play devil's advocate with that one. Uh, <laughs> no, what I was going to say is the reason that that saying has weight is because becoming a Marine is such a shift in identity. It is who you have become. Yeah. It's not okay. negative or positive either. It's, it just is. It's true. It's true. So I give him a pack of crayons, and then we'll see what happens. Sure. It's all about your perspective. Some people are anti-military, right? So they would think becoming a Marine is, is, is a bad thing. But I, most of us, I think, think that's one hell of a accomplishment. I couldn't do that. Yeah, shit. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm so proud of people yeah. that, that want to do that and, and, to, and to become that. That's, that's amazing. Um, but it's it all comes down. Nothing out here matters unless you let it matter. So if you're calling yourself an alcoholic all the time and that's making you feel bad, then stop doing it. Call yourself something else, like your first name, right? Like call yourself like a father. 
uh, whatever. You know what I'm just saying? No, you're right. It's so, it's so I it's just, true. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's not good. I, I just, it's, it's the negative self-talk. And I, sometimes you are pushed in certain groups to say negative things, to, to keep the awareness. I think the purpose of it is to keep the awareness of what was. But at some point, you got to let go of what was and move into the what could be. And the longer it takes to do that, the harder the road is going to be. Yeah, write it down. He's so writing that down. Got He's literally taking notes over here. November 10th is my birthday. That's a good date. Oh, nice. Oh, I like what Justin said, person in discovery. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, I mean... Adam, you'll have to send me that in a message because I forgot what I said already. <laughs> I, I so sometimes you've got to let go of what was and step into what could be. Yeah. Boom. Okay, we'll put it in the chat. That was pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. That was Tony Robbins. Good. That was good. All right. Well, then good night, everybody. <laughs> no, send, we love Tony. Send your checks. We're watching on the big screen. Yeah. Find my Patreon. Peter, don't be a hater. I um I like to say I'm in recovery. I'm recovered. I'm sober. I'm in sobriety. Um, I don't like to call myself a drug addict anymore or a junkie. And I did do that for a long time. And I, I thought like, oh, well, I'm changing it to like a term of endearment. And like, I'm taking the word back. Like, no, the fuck you're not. You're not. It's not working. <laughs> Sorry for cursing. Well, you guys had some topics you wanted to talk about. You can do those on your own. Hello? You want to just go ahead and do it? Huh? Oh. Well, no, I think uh, I think I'm going to do a little prep before I. Oh, prep, prep. Yeah, I don't do that very often, but this was so mind opening. Um, but I think I'm going to actually do a little bit, and then the sober heathen will have a podcast that'll be uh, recording at 11 a.m. tomorrow. So look for that early tomorrow afternoon. And awesome. What about me? What am I doing? I don't, know. I, I don't You know. said you were going to talk about something. I don't know, but I just know that. Um, let me think of something to say. Go, go to Adam. Well, I'm not going to be doing a podcast after this. So. <laughs> Who's sober? Stop. What is that? Do you guys know this? Nope. Hey. Yeah, I'm probably gonna. Do, you're not gonna do another live after this. You're gonna wait till tomorrow to prep a. No, I, I might do it later. It depends. I, I'm, what I'm I almost said something bad. It's not funny. You're going to give us a teaser? What's it about? It was inappropriate. Uh, well, the the podcast I'm going to do about is I've uh, been reading the book, The Sober Truth. And if you don't know what that is or who that's by, it's by Lance Dodes and Zachary uh, Dodes. And it's uh, I, I blazed through the first half of it, and then things happened, and I got away from it, and then I read a chapter today, and it just, it was like, wow, this was the yeah. end. Kind of where the trap. Which one? Uh, whoops. 
I gave that to Fran to read, I think, that one. No, I gave her a USB. Is, I am currently in chapter five. More back to five. I should wait yeah, to. I'll look after this. I was about to go get it. Another guy on TikTok, he's doing a live share his story. I want to do my story. Your story. I'm so selfish. I'm just yeah. kidding. We could do a, yeah, we could do that. We could do a live, you know, pick three nights where one of us tells our story. If yeah. Into that. I don't think he hasn't told his. You, you didn't either. Oh, I don't think I said. Wait. He told his story on Canadian radio. No, yeah. that was really good. Post, let me, I want to share that on mine. I, well, if you go back to, to my beginning um, videos, I've, I've told my story, but I have been thinking about revisiting the whole thing with a new perspective. With me on mine. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> hey, you got to so tell your happened? story on mine. You haven't told your story. Oh. We just talked about stuff when you came on. Okay. Do you know what I mean, man? Yeah, kind of. You do? Yeah. True. That stuff right there, man. That comment right there. It's, it, it means. What did Justin say? You're uh, in, Justin? Uh, Ray said, hope you folks stay committed to this project. It helps me so. And then, Lindsay, please let me know how and when to chime in. Thank of you. Of course. Absolutely. Mimi, please. He just wants to tell his story again. Um, you can get a preview on that. He's been on our podcast twice, too, so you can check that out. Oh, you did your story? Well, I don't know how far he got into it, but he's been on the podcast twice. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, It's not for me to tell if he got in deep enough or not, but he's more than I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, we'll have to make an appointment. Not appointment. We'll have to make a set of time aside on the weekend for you to come on if you want, Justin. It could be cool. Just think about it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's spread your wings, Justin, and, and go on. Yeah, go go on Lindsay's and, and spread your wings a little bit. He well, can spread those wings. So, so I told you, dark humor, right? I mean, uh huh. You picked that one eighth for a reason, right? <laughs> I don't get it. Eight, eight grams. That's it. That was the joke. It's not that dark. Sorry, but it's not dark. Oh my god. All right. Inappropriate. How about inappropriate? Inappropriate. Inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate humor. Irreverent. We gotta we gotta do it though. We gotta do it. Like because what am I doing? And I hate it when people like don't make drinking jokes around me. You know, it makes me feel more uncomfortable. You know, just just say it. You know what I mean? Like just say it. Just say it. <laughs> I do it all the time. I do. Man, you talk about you wanna see somebody get embarrassed. We go out to dinner or something with my parents. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh man, I I start making all the jokes. You know, they go around doing drink orders or something, and uh, you know, my dad's like, "Oh yeah, I don't know, Sweetwater Four Twenty." My mom, "Oh, do you have something dry?" <laughs> and, you know, she tries to make up a drink. You know, they get around to me, and I'm like, "I just have seltzer." And you know, the waiter, it, you know, when everybody's ordered drinks, there's like five or six drinks have been ordered. And they get you, and you're like, oh, "I have seltzer." Or club soda, they kind of look at you for like that extra second to see mm -hmm. if you're fucking with them. Yeah. And so then I just, man, I start, I'll just start telling stories like, nah, dude, you know, 
it's just, it gets really bad quick. You can own it, dude. Yeah, you can own it. And dude, if I got anything but a saucer, dude, you would see me, you know, twig and berries hanging on about five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's so a good yeah, one. you bring me a Moscow mule, and I will show you Moscow real quick. You see, mm-hmm. Bert Kreischer has a story. Just hold on. You ever seen a meat helicopter, sir? Because you <laughs> will after uh, a rum and coke. <laughs> uh. More like a more like a mini drone. But anyway, uh, this was uh yeah, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I hopped in. You're pleased with yourself. <laughs> I got a wedgie. Uh, it's too uh, bad. <laughs> what the fuck? So, Happened. All right. So, I'm going to do a live. Who's going to his friend's house? Hey, look. We're in the same place. Where are you? Oh, you we, couldn't, we, we couldn't figure out how to do it without doing different. It took like 30 minutes to get the mic. Is that, yeah, is that a Mickey Mouse light that you have there? Damn right it is. Oh, that's you she lives in Florida. I live in Florida. That's a good point. Everything's Mickey Mouse or Publix. What is oh, he, the state like animal? Wedgie. <laughs> what? So is Mickey the state animal or something? I think so. The mouse thing. Uh, as much oh. money as he brings in, he might as well be. Oh, this oh. is uh, this is what I my life that I got Ew, over. that's tight. It's hard to see, but yeah, this is my brother from another mother. Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool. I got a heart light. I got a new heart light. Nice. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you read the comment? Yeah, Ray is out of control. Ray is off his tree. 13 stepping here. At least it's a certain stepping. No, that's the opposite. I want that hat, homie. All right. What hat? Oh. It's yeah. hair. It's hair. So I posted a bunch of uh, new pics, new things that I've made for the sober, sober event. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, maybe I can find my way into some merchandise here. But I want to hear you tell a joke. <clears throat> you. Like yes. a knock-knock joke. Like a what? A knock-knock joke or something. Uh, I like got stand-up comedy, but sit-down comedy. <laughs> What's the difference between Tiger Woods and Santa Claus? Uh Santa stops at three hoes. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I got nothing. You got nothing? Okay. I'm drawing a blank. I think if we had more people in here, maybe it would be a good joke time, but. Very chill, bro. Oh, shit. All right. I love you guys. Hey, this was great. Thanks for uh, letting me hop in late. Hey, this is really good. All this right. is really fun. Yeah. We'll hey. do it again soon. Hey, hey, bye. Hey, bye. Hey, bye. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Hey. Wait, hold on. Hey. Bye. Okay, bye. Wait. <laughs>